This is Nick the Tooth, and today I am joined by my co-host and publisher of the Infinite Worlds magazine, Winston Ward. All right, Winston, here we are again, catching up, this time with one of our favorite childhood heroes, if I can call him a hero, Godzilla. And not only that, man, we're talking about something that I'm learning about, which is this whole monster genre kaiju. So let's hear it, man. Yeah, we got a, we got a lot on the plate for this episode. Some Godzilla history, uh, some background trivia, overview of the movies, stories from our childhoods, that kind of thing. And, you know, we're really just talking about letting the little boy and or little girl out of the box and uh, having fun. Yeah, so rad, so rad. All right, man, everybody buckle up. Let's do this. All right, we are here, brother. What's up, man? Oh, what's going on, man? What is going on, dude? It feels like the world has changed so much in the last few weeks. Yeah, just oh before uh, just before we recorded, I went and looked back at when we made our last recording, and it was just, it's been quite a month, but it was right before the election. Yeah, it was like the thick of it, right? It's pretty much what we both predicted would happen, which is great news. Still got a whole mess of other problems still, but it's something, something. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of relief from the tension, you know what I mean? COVID's still skyrocketing. and I agree with you. I want to say anticlimactic, but that's not what I'm feeling. I think the feeling is relief. Yeah. It's just like, okay, we can start moving back to regular life where the person who's running the show is not constantly needing to stir shit up to get attention. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, right. oh my God. I'm sure we'll have our normal, regular, corrupt politics, but <laughs> at least oh, we can yeah, dial oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I promised everyone that I would uh, save it until after the election before I badmouth Joe Biden just because, <laughs> you know, I really needed him to beat. 45. But Jesus Christ, could the Democrats have picked a more like conservative? <laughs> Seriously, like they just they just like, here, you know what we're going to do is we're just going to pick a guy whose politics are the politics of the 80s. No doubt. Jesus, dude, seriously. And you know what, Winston? This is the last thing I'll say. You can say whatever you want. But for politics, as far as Joe Biden goes, the reality is, is Obama picked him because he knew that people were going to paint him as some kind of a socialist, like liberal, like lunatic. And so he's right. like, why don't I pick the most conservative old white guy who's more conservative than Ronald Reagan to be my running mate in 2008? And that's who Joe Biden is, man. He's wrong. He's Ronald Reagan. I wish Joe Biden was the Joe Biden from all of the Onion articles that they did about Joe Biden while Obama was president. Like he's like crazy Uncle Joe and he drives around in <laughs> a Camaro. Yeah, the Jim Carrey uh, Saturday Night Live version. Yeah. <laughs> Terminator sunglasses and the, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately he's, uh, you know, he's just... You know, it's another guy. But anyway, okay. Well, luckily now we don't have to make politics a centerpiece of every episode of the show. I mean, we still will, obviously, but it's cool because we can all at least exhale and think about other stuff 
now. Yeah, right. I know. That's I think that's what I'm feeling now, where it's kind of like, okay, we can all just kind of go back to our lives. Yes, COVID is surging. Yes, we're in the middle of this crazy global pandemic. But uh, a vaccine is on the way. Yeah, it looks like there's hope right around the corner, or at least at very least like relief right around the corner here. The only thing we can hope for is that like maybe there's some kind of a like mutant thing in these vaccines where it'll unleash some global conspiracy like all the the blogs are saying there's going to be so to give us a little more drama in case we're too bored. <laughs> I'm just really ready for Bill Gates to be able to geolocate me at any moment through the microchip that he had. Hey, I had a question about the microchip in mm-hmm. in the um vaccine. In the vaccine. Conspiracy. Yeah. I had a question about this one. Okay, so the idea is that they're, they're going to give you the vaccine and then it's going to implant a microchip in you that they can use to track you. Yeah. I think. I think that's the gist of no, it. No, yeah, okay. for sure. And it's going to replace okay. global currency like the mark of the beast. But does it like, how does it identify <laughs> you when vaccines show up? It's not like they check your ID and are like, what's your name and everything when we give you this? Bro, bro, it's – come on, man. Artificial intelligence, it pairs. It merges <laughs> With your DNA, which is like an individual fingerprint, oh, and then it broadcasts yeah. this out via the 5G towers. The rabbit hole just goes deeper and deeper, you know, and uh, exactly, you know, it doesn't feel like the end of the world anymore, exactly yet. I mean, though, it's real hard to like blow off that steam to say, okay, I really don't, doesn't feel like the end of the world anymore. But since we're talking about the end of the world, let's talk about today's podcast subject. Yes. Who kind of represents in a lot of ways the end of the world, a big favorite of mine, Godzilla. Godzilla. So today we are talking about Godzilla. It's so stoked, man. This is one of your favorites too, bro. So I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's do the history lesson. I like to do the history lesson. So we'll start there. Okay. So Godzilla, the first film came out in uh, 1954 and it was directed by Ishiro Honda. And it's sort of like Japan's response to a movie that came out the year before called The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which is like a giant monster movie with very, very similar themes. Basically a Ritosaurus, which is a made-up dinosaur for this movie, but a uh, claymated dinosaur, is awakened by atomic testing in the Arctic Circle and then comes down to New York and starts destroying shit. And the beast from 20,000 Fathoms was animated by Ray Harryhausen, you know, who's like one of the greatest visual effects people of all time, for sure, especially in his day, who's famous for stop motion animation. And this movie was fairly popular, you know, like a drive-in flick monster scare movie. And some folks in Japan saw this and decided that they would pitch the idea to Toho Studios and so so one of the things that I, I found fascinating about this was that this occurred, you know, not only spurred by this uh, this other film, but that it occurred so close after the uh, the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Okay, so it was within a decade mm-hmm. of the bombings of uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima, but also right before this happened, there's another third big event that happened called the Lucky Dragon Five incident, and the Lucky Dragon Five was a Japanese tuna fishing boat that was out on a fishing expedition, and they got caught in the nuclear fallout 
of the Castle Brava thermonuclear bomb that the U.S. military was testing in the Bikini Atoll. Dude, one of the things that people have to keep in mind, I have to remind myself of also, is this was a time when they tested nuclear bombs above ground. Yes, on the ocean surface. Oh my gosh. And out in what they considered international waters, but clearly, okay, the insanity of it, the insanity of detonating nuclear weapons at all. It's like a toddler with an assault rifle. We're just not responsible enough to be doing that. No, I, I dude, one time, one time I read this sci-fi and if anybody remembers it or knows of it, let us know. But there was a, a sci-fi short story that I read when I was a kid and it was about a, uh, a guy who was trying to convince a nuclear scientist not to like help the government with the nuclear research program. And to illustrate what he did, he, when they were talking, his kid came in the room, the little, the scientist kid came in the room with a pistol, a loaded pistol. And the scientist freaked out and, and was like, why did you give that to my child? He goes, well, why are you helping humanity and giving them a nuclear weapon? Because it's the same thing. And so it's interesting that you brought that up. I don't think I've read that story, but that's obviously the analogy you know, it's there. And th to prove that we're not responsible enough, this innocent crew of 23 Japanese fishermen are just blasted with radiation. They're not killed or anything. One person from the crew does eventually die from kind of a complication of it. He had pre-existing conditions as well, but don't want to sugarcoat it. Like we accidentally dropped nuclear fallout on some innocent Japanese fishermen. Ugh. And it was a big international incident, you know, and Japan was just like, Jesus Christ, you guys already dropped two nuclear bombs on us less than 10 years ago. This is a real stark reality we're living in now. The hundreds of millions of us that even in the 50s that live on these tiny islands, it was like a really haunting thing for their daily lives. I just read this uh, or was listening to this report on NPR on the CIA program MKUltra, where they were testing mm -hmm. uh, psychedelics on people un unknowingly. Right. And it's like, man, there is no freaking depth to how far government will go, especially military, testing shit on people. You know, so it's like, can you believe they did it? It's like, yeah, I can believe they freaking did it. They used our, old, our own soldiers testing nuclear weapons on them. Here, stand right here. You know what I mean? Right in front of the blast. It's the dark side of science. Oh, you know what I mean? And God. that's, you know, half of probably way more than half of science fiction is an examination of the potential hazards of the dark side of science. And military too, right? It's yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's military science, the military application of science, oh. the weaponization of science, or even not just the weaponization, although that really usually is the big problem, but also just the meddling with forces they don't understand. Yeah. You know, like cracking the atom. And of course, we understood it enough to be able to build a bomb. But even now, even in 2020, we're still dealing with like well, how, how many years ago was Fukushima? Five years ago or something like that? I don't remember exactly, but it spread radiation all the way to the California coast. And it's still leaking. It's still leaking. It's still leaking. And I just recently finished watching Chernobyl, the docuseries, oh, the HBO docuseries. Oh my gosh. That was one of the gnarliest things. I've. It was like a horror movie, wasn't it? My wife could not watch it. It was too disturbing My wife either. She was like, I can't finish this. I cannot not watch this. It is super, super, super disturbing, but also not 
horror at all because it's all actual things that actually happen. <sighs> if anything, it's probably a conservative look at it. Oh my gosh. I grew up in the shadow of Chernobyl because I lived in Germany at the time that that happened and for several years after that. Holy I was shit. a little kid. And Germany's, Germany's like 1,100 miles away from Chernobyl. So it's a long way away. But the prevailing continental winds blew all this radiation towards Europe and Europe was freaked the fuck out. <laughs> I bet. So it was a big deal, you know, the shadow of all this. And I guess that's why as a child, Godzilla resonated with me so much is that he represents all of this. He represents mankind having to pay for his hubris, mankind taking one step too far and unleashing powers that it can't control. And I think that's a thing that science fiction explores a lot. Of course, Godzilla was really early science fiction for me because most Godzilla movies are children's movies, but there are Plenty of adult Godzilla incarnations, including the first Godzilla film, Godzilla, 1954. Real quick, just wanted to throw some more like random facts out there. I wrote them down, so I want to share them. There have been 36 Godzilla films produced so far. That's 32 made in Japan by Toho Studios and four different Hollywood films, including an upcoming Godzilla vs. King Kong film, which is uh, apparently right around the corner. Oh, I can't wait for that. I'm actually really stoked on that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that should be really cool. Uh, we'll, come, we'll circle back around to that when we talk about the movies in general, but we'll, we'll get, kind of get into the movies. Okay, so when Godzilla, the original film came out, it sort of represented for Japan this nuclear threat. Godzilla was this irradiated monster. He came on the land. He spread radiation through his atomic nuclear breath, destroyed the city, something that unlike Americans, Japanese people fully understood. The worst disaster on American soil during World War II was the bombing of Pearl Harbor, which is a huge tragedy. Don't get me wrong. Lots of people died. It was a big deal. Not trying to minimize it. But Japan had their mainland invaded and occupied and had two cities completely erased from the map in just like an instant and civilian cities, civilian cities. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Entirely civilian or yeah. mostly entirely civilian cities just vaporized. And then this other incident where their fishermen were getting radiation sickness. I mean, can you imagine Winston, the psychic scars that those people dealt with? And still, we were all just shook, shaken mm -hmm. by 9-11 mm -hmm. where 3000 people right. died. Can you imagine that there is a city that is gone? Yeah. It's radiated. There are people that you knew live there that are gone. 50,000 people killed in just like a split second in an instant it's yeah. horrifying it's like even even dresden we talked about mm -hmm. like with vonnegut and all there were so many people killed but it was just a bombardment whereas this was just yeah. one flash and it was over it's gone and the lingering effects of the radiation and all one of the things that uh, that i found interesting is that when they were designing godzilla they intentionally made his skin like the keloid scars of survivors of uh, nuclear holocaust oh that's a very that's a very interesting fact that's good godzilla knowledge right there it's crazy huh okay so godzilla represents obviously represents the japanese so they automatically bond with this and you know the japanese audience is not like the american audience there's a lot more people living in america and uh, also our movies are distributed yeah. a little bit better than theirs are they distributed to europe so a box office success in japan is not like a worldwide box office success but godzilla was 
a box office success there. People really, really liked it. Toho immediately greenlit a sequel, which came out the following year. Godzilla Raids Again, another darn good Godzilla movie. Those are two that I always recommend. The first two are great. And that's also the first one where Godzilla fights another monster. And that becomes a big trope of the series is Godzilla versus another monster. But the next year, 1956, the original Godzilla film was re-released in the United States to an American audience. And it was completely whitewashed. All of the heavy nuclear war themes and the parts that reflected the Japanese citizens' psyches were pretty much cut out. They took a white actor, Raymond Burr, who played Perry Mason on television, and cut in scenes of him talking to doubles and actors filmed over their shoulder and stand-ins into the movie as if he were interacting with these characters. Wow. And they called it Godzilla King of the Monsters. And that's where King of the Monsters, the label comes from, the American, not quite a remake, but the re-edit of the original film. You know, it's a, kind of, in a lot of ways how the American audience was presented with Godzilla for years was this whitewashed version. And it didn't help that the era of Godzilla, the Shawa era of Godzilla, Godzilla history is divided into four eras, the first being the Shawa era, and they're kind of related to the emperor of Japan at the time. They're not exactly. Oh, wow. So those are what the eras are, are, are that's what they're called, is the name of each emperor? Some of them are. They are the, the Shawa era, which is the first era. That's the first 15 films. And that's from Godzilla, the first movie, all the way through the terror of Mechagodzilla, which came out in 1975. And during that era, it started off with this... Godzilla, dark, stark, heavy war allegory that really resonated with audiences and then pretty on theme follow up. And then it started deteriorating to the point where it was really very much chill. Not I don't want to say deteriorating because some people like those campy movies. They're not really my favorites. There are bits and pieces from them that are cool. The son of Godzilla and, you know, it gets cutesy and Godzilla's just wrestling other monsters and it's kind of fun and Godzilla kind of turns into like a cool guy hero. It gets really, really, really campy during that era. Some of those movies are getting distributed over to the US. And don't get me wrong, there are some good movies in that era. Like Godzilla versus King Kong, I think was like the fourth movie. And that that's not a bad movie. That's it's all right. <laughs> but again, it's let's see what it would be like if Godzilla fought this character. That yeah. the first Mothra movie came out during that era, of course, a classic. And the introduction of Godzilla's arch villains, both of his arch villains, King Ghidorah, the three-headed dragon monster, who is also sometimes called Monster Zero, also called Astro Monster. Yeah, that's like the Hydra-looking thing. I just watched uh, the the latest movie, 2017, with Eleven from Stranger Things, and that was a badass monster. I kept calling it Hydra. I don't know what the yeah, name it's was. King Ghidorah is that character. And that's sort of like a character from outer space who shows up on Earth and uh, is basically Godzilla's rival as like the greatest monster on the planet. And then there's also Mecha Godzilla, which is a robotic version of Godzilla, which was introduced early in the franchise during the Showa period and has seen tons of different iterations over the years as the film franchise morphs and changes or whatever. Then there was a period in the late 80s through early 90s, the follow-up, it's the Heisei era of Godzilla films, it's 84 through 95. And during that period, there were some pretty up and down moments too, but Godzilla definitely got darker and more serious again and, you know, started taking on some of the 
weight that Godzilla was supposed to have initially. And there are some really great ones. There's Godzilla versus Biolante, where he has to deal with a genetic plant monster. And there's another one, Godzilla versus... One of the things, like when I went back and I was watching and I was looking through all the movies to figure out which ones to watch, I was blown away by how many different freaking movies there were. Because like we've talked about Star Wars and how what are they up to, up to like nine movies or something now and people are like, what a franchise. It's like, man, Godzilla, 40 something movies. But I will in, in, in defense of that and not just calling it a cash grab. When I, when I was a young kid, I remember just arguing with my brother and being like, dude, Godzilla would kill Tyrannosaurus Rex or <laughs> Godzilla would kill freaking King Kong or no King Kong. And just all of a sudden we're on the floor fighting each other. He's Godzilla. I'm King Kong. You know, it's just, it, there's just something about it, man. I, it's hard to put my finger on it. You know, I think I can help you with that. Cause I actually have the, something written down that kind of alludes to that as well. So all these other characters King Ghidorah and Mechagodzilla and Space Godzilla and, you know, who all. Okay, a lot of these are just, like you said, like a bit of a cash grab, a character that they introduced just for Godzilla to fight that looks cool. And in my life, I went through two phases with Godzilla. My first phase was as a little boy, ages six or seven, however old it was when I saw the first one, up until probably 13 or 14 or so when I stopped watching TV and stuff altogether. I loved them. I'd watch them on the, the sci-fi channel would play them all the time, and uh, you could catch them on different channels from time to time as well, like Turner Classic Movies. And I just put them on in the background and watch pieces of them here and there, especially when Godzilla was fighting somebody. So there is this part of Godzilla where it's just this boyhood part of my youth that I hold on to as just being this youthful thing that I remember that inspires that feeling of being young again. For example, on my shelf, I have several Godzilla figures, and that, I think, is their purpose. It's the only like action figure stuff I own. Mostly, I just read books. Most of my shelves is books and some artwork. But mm -hmm. I, put, I put those on my shelf because I just want to be reminded of the, the little kid inside. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think Godzilla does an extremely good job of doing that just because all I have to do is just be like, yeah, you're cool, Godzilla. You destroy stuff. <laughs> you're a giant, indestructible, radiation-breathing wizard. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but then, okay, I fell off. I didn't watch Godzilla for a long, long time in my life. You know, went and did all sorts of other things. Like I said, there was like a 12-year period in my life or so where I didn't watch TV at, or even really movies at all. I was just doing other things. I read a lot of books during that time, but I didn't have cable. I still to this day don't have regular cable. I don't like it. I don't like commercials. I do have Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff, so I can just like pick and choose what to watch. But anyway, years like 26 or 27, I uh, start watching movies again, and I buy all a number of the old Godzilla movies and watch them again or rent some of them. And, and I'm like, man, how disappointing. A lot of these movies that I loved as a kid actually suck. <laughs> these movies are cool, but they're so poorly made. The acting is so bad. There's so much about them not to like. You know what I mean? And it became – it was really disappointed. A moment really fed into that, actually. Let me step back one second, because this thing happened to me in 1997. And in 1997, I would have been 13 or 14 years old. And mm -hmm. my my mom took me to see Godzilla. We were broke. 
as fuck. Uh, like we mm-hmm. didn't, we could not afford to go see movies, but I was like, I can't believe they're making a new Godzilla movie. And it was the 1990, or it might've been 1998, 1997, 1998. I was like 13 or 14. Was it John Cusack? It's not John Cusack. It's Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Thank you. Yeah. Matthew Broderick. I always confuse those two. So if it's not one, it's the other. <laughs> yeah. And Jean Renault and Hank Azaria is in it. Mm-hmm. And my mom, I, I really wanted to see this. I couldn't believe that Hollywood was making a Godzilla film. You know what I mean? And it, this was like right at the end of my, like I was like I said, I was 13 or 14 and that's right before I stopped watching s- stuff altogether. Mm-hmm. Part of it is because my mom took me to see this movie and I absolutely hated this movie and was so offended. Talk about like a cash grab. It's such a bastardization of what I thought Godzilla should be. You know, my super knowledgeable and worldwise 13-year-old self. Well, the lizard was crazy and it was just a lizard. I mean, it was just like, what? In Godzilla, like canon, they've created, that's another character, not Godzilla. Americans get beset by this creature whose name is Zilla. And he exists, or she, sorry, exists in the same universe as Godzilla, as one of the, in fact, I think it's in one of the new universal Godzilla movies where they reference Zilla or in more, it's in one of the modern, it might be one of the modern Toho movies, but they reference Zilla as an additional character to Godzilla, not Godzilla, just mistaken for Godzilla in that movie because the public reaction to having Godzilla be what they represented in that movie. There was so much backlash. It was terrible. I I remember finally seeing the monster where they kind of held off and being like, Oh no, you did not just do that. Yeah, it's just a dinosaur. I mean, yeah, it was. It was like, what in the world? It was iconic. Yeah, this giant monster is just now a dinosaur. Okay, I'm not the only one who didn't like that movie, obviously. Uh, uh, I actually wrote a short story about going to see that movie one time. (laughs) It's like this really like sad story about my mom. You're working through your trauma. (laughs) Oh, Godzilla. make that whole episode a bummer or anything but my mom died of cancer when i was a teenager i'm so sorry she was fighting cancer at the time she got diagnosed when i was 10 she died when i was 16 so the um 13 or 14 year old she'd already been like dealing with lymphoma for like three or four years at this point and you know it was like just part of my daily reality as a little kid so this always hung over me and anyway so I went to go see this movie and I wrote a story about the trauma related to it. Yeah, capped off by that shitty lizard. Right, so I was so pissed off at this lizard. <laughs> but then years later, flash forward like 12 or 13 years later when I finally like buy a TV again and play movies and I watch all the old Godzilla movies and I'm like, oh, those other movies sucked too. <laughs> I was so wrong to be so mad at this movie because so many of these other Godzilla movies are bad in their own way, bad in lots of ways. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure the audience, when they did Godzilla, Son of Godzilla, I'm sure so many people were like, what is this bullshit? Yeah. So I kind of was like, okay, well, now Godzilla just becomes this sort of niche, corny sort of thing that I was once a fan of in my life, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, go forward a few years, go forward a few years, go forward a few years. I see the Godzilla movie that they made with Bryan Cranston a few years back, and it's not bad. You know, I'm like, okay, well, this is more like what Godzilla is supposed to be like. It wasn't perfect by any means, but mainly I just don't like main character of a movie being totally CGI'd. I guess I'm an old guy, you know, I'm sure lots of the audience are going to be like, okay, Boomer, I don't like CGI. I like practical effects. Oh, yeah. I I think J.J. Abrams like proved the worth of that in the new Star Wars in his trilogy where he was like, you know what? 
we're not going to do what happened with Phantom Menace and all that in those right. prequels. You got to have a good mix. Those prequels do not hold. I watched one the other day. I was like, man, forget about how bad the acting is. This, the, just the CGI is just terrible. It's like, dude, yeah, it, just doesn't hold, yeah. it just doesn't hold up. It's like it looks like a green screen where it, it's know, a bummer. Where, yeah, it's a total bummer. Whereas J.J. Abrams was like, "Okay, we're going back to practical effects as much as we can for the uh, for the star- new Star Wars." So, yeah, I agree with you, man. I agree. Well, that's what really happened. Okay, so then I watched that movie, and I kind of like it's it at least made me think. You know what? Maybe there's hope for the Godzilla franchise. You know, they're at least trying a little bit of overkill, but they're basically trying to you know make it a drama instead of a goofball prat comedy okay so i was kind of getting back on board with it a little bit but then i saw the deal breaker which is shin godzilla now after the uh 90s in the millennium era of godzilla there were a bunch more guy in a suit godzilla movies made in japan and these were kind of running current to hollywood's plans to do these cgi godzilla movies and they were kind of running side by side but then toho finally hit the brakes and said we need to start over and we need to figure out a new direction for Godzilla because we can't keep up with the CGI that they're doing in America and we can't spend that kind of money on a movie basically because our market is so much smaller and we're not going to be able to have Godzilla be totally CGI'd that way. So what they did was they created this mix of miniatures and a little bit of CGI and a little bit of animation and stop motion style again. And they created Shin Godzilla, which came out in 2016, I think 2015 or 2016. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen this movie, this is the movie you need to watch. It's a Japanese language movie, all Japanese actors or almost entirely Japanese actors. And Godzilla is totally reimagined. And the money shot of this Godzilla movie, oh, first of all, this movie is like a great drama. It's also a comedy. It's a kind of a slow, it's about the bureaucracy that surrounds dealing with the government, dealing with Godzilla showing up and destroying shit <laughs> and how the, the government is working in the background. The bureaucracy is working in the background to try to problem solve and troubleshoot as it happens in real time. And it deals with all these Japanese bureaucrats and scientists and it's a really dry comedy with all of these background actors, but it's far better acting than previous Godzilla, Japanese Godzilla movies. Godzilla in this movie is definitely the most terrifying rendition of Godzilla ever, without a doubt. Really? Yeah, oh, without a doubt. I mean, also kind of campy, on intentionally campy. It's like a style element to make it like kind of goofball. There's one scene where Godzilla clearly has like googly eyes on a model, <laughs> you know? But like I said, it's like stylized. Oh my God, that sounds really real. The rad. money shot of this movie of God- Shin Godzilla. If I get really, really, really high and watch this, I'm actually going to enjoy it. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I guarantee <laughs> you, if you're okay with reading dry humor, sub- Japanese subtitles, or you know, yeah. English subtitles, and it's dry humor, but it's pretty fucking funny, actually. I think it's one of the funnier dry comedies I've seen in a while, actually. But the money shot where Godzilla finally does what Godzilla does and starts you know, breathing atomic fire on stuff reignited that little fire, that little 12-year-old, 11-year-old boy fire in my you know, in my little heart. And it has stayed lit since I saw that scene. Oh, wow. That's so rad. It really was just like, no way, man. They really finally, 33 movies later, 
finally got it exactly right. And the Japanese did it too. You know what I mean? It wasn't an American version. Have you ever seen Mad Max Fury Road? Have we talked about that? Oh, dude, that's like one of my favorite freaking movie ever. It's the same little kid losing his mind in my heart feeling that I get from Mad Max. Those two movies. <sighs> and they came out really yeah, near each other that, as well. Yeah. The crazy practical effects and stunts in that movie. Very similar. Oh, I, that sounds like I would love that. I would love it. I'm going to give a shout out real quick if you want to talk about, because there is something really rad about like monsters and miniatures and just how they pull shit off. If you haven't seen it, Big Man Japan is one Big of my Man favorite. Japan. One of my favorite freaking movies ever. It's worth watching the whole thing, but if you can't find it, just go on YouTube and look at like the different fights with the monsters. And it's like this kind of a mockumentary on this guy who can transform himself into a big, like he's a defender of Japan. So he becomes like right. a big, like sumo type guy in a diaper and he just beats the shit out of monsters. But when he's, when he's normal and he, he shrinks back down to size, he's like this drunk, like loser. Okay. <laughs> it's the funniest freaking thing, but it's kind of like what you're saying. It's just this dry Japanese humor mixed in with monsters that are so hilarious. I can't I've never seen it's, this movie. I'm definitely going to put this on my list. I, I oh my God, Dude, bro. It, to me, it's just a, a, it's the movie you're talking about, Shin Godzilla. This is like a sister movie. Okay. Of that. You would love, everybody watch big, at least watch highlights. Big Man Japan. I think I, I put it on anytime someone comes to my house. I'm like, okay, you got to watch two things. We got to watch Big Man Japan and we're going to watch Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. If you haven't seen Don't Hug okay. Me, I'm Scared, get on YouTube right now and watch every one of the youtube the don't hug me i'm scared and and dm me on instagram and we'll talk because <laughs> that's my favorite my favorite oh my god okay so the kaiju film genre is kind of what we're kind of talking about here okay so tell me tell me about that genre so just give me a synopsis okay so that's basically the giant creatures and monsters and robots that come attack cities ah. and you know that's that genre was not started by godzilla like i like we said earlier godzilla was based on the beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms but way before that movie came out king kong came out in like yeah where he's climbing the empire state building that's a good point because you know i always think about him on the island but you're right uh yeah yeah he, he does he comes to new york and you know that's like the ultimate like the last stand in king kong and there are plenty of other kaiju out there it's become like sort of a genre especially in japan it's a big genre because there's like the ultraman series Ugh, ultraman and even he's yes. constantly fighting giant monsters and that made its way back into american minds because there was like mighty morphin power rangers in the, the 90s so all the 90s kids know about kaiju as well because that's all that show was like a moon sorceress sending kaiju to earth that the Power Rangers had to fight. And then, like we said, King Kong already. And then there's also Pacific Rim, the Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, Pacific Rim, yeah. And Big Man Japan, like I said, that's kind of a, a take on that because it definitely morphs into, towards the end, the whole Ultraman robotic thing. So, yeah, it's it's cool. I never realized there was a genre. I think about sometimes doing like a kaiju special edition of Infinite Worlds where all of the illustrations are people's imagined kaiju and that kind of thing. That would be so dope. But I also worry it's sort 
sort of a bit of cultural appropriation kind of to like market Japan's personality in my magazine. I'm not Japanese. Yeah, but you know, you pay we pay, pay homage to things. Yeah, and it would definitely be an homage thing and I would obviously try yeah, to Yeah, do- Star Wars is an homage to to samurai and you know, it's just God, we're such an international culture right now. And that's the way I prefer it, you know what I mean? I don't like the national borders, you know, personally I think yeah. people from over there come visit people from over here learn from each other if you don't think japanese people appropriate freaking american culture they are obsessed with american you're not wrong about that heavy metal from 50s rockabilly to you name it surfing all of it yeah punk rock not to mention like we just said godzilla is based on an american film yeah and obviously the things that we did to them it's it's a it's a weird situation i just i just want to be careful of that kind of stuff check the old privilege or what have you yeah but uh you know i do love kaiju and i would love to do an issue where everybody's drawing me monsters and giant robots smashing cities that would oh be- my gosh dude you're gonna love big man japan i was gonna say so i went back and i watched like the original film parts of the original film and two things blew me away the dude was like in a he's in a costume right like where i was kind of expecting it to be like stop motion and all the way a lot of films were at that point but the dude was like wearing a freaking costume yeah. that was crazy that was like an intentional decision because at the time there really weren't big costumes against miniatures in a lot of ways the film was pretty innovative in that way it's kind of looked at as being a pretty innovative film because just making the suit once or twice you know for a backup suit and then building the small model cities that the monster can destroy was a film trick that of course had been used some but making it the feature of your film was sort of a new idea crazy right toho studios did almost all guy in costume Godzilla movies for like 30 straight movies. And then they did some animated movies, which apparently there's some Japanese Godzilla animes, which I'm, I I watch anime here and there. And I, when I find one I really like, I really, really like it. But I'm not like- You're not an anime fanatic. I don't know enough about it really. And it's got so many genres. It's like its own- medium so being an expert on it is like impossible almost but i I have appreciation for it yeah but i haven't seen any of the godzilla animes no i know they're big on netflix right now i'm gonna check them out it looks really cool the other thing that i was tripping out on from the original movie was his roar was complete Mm -hmm. in the first movie it was perfect and i was like damn the sound effects for that are so rad and and, and so I looked it up and it turns out that w- the way they did that roar was they took a glove and they like coated it in resin and then they were like going up and down like a stand-up bass to like create that noise. And I was like, Interesting. damn, that's so cool, man. It's really cool. If you ever watch documentaries on how sound effects artists create sounds, it's, it was right up with that. They just use the weirdest things from around their house and create this sound and it just becomes larger than life. And in this instance, completely iconic because that's, I think, the one thing that I associate. If I hear that noise, that roar, I know exactly what movie that's from. That's a Godzilla, you know? Yeah, and that's that sound effect has been being, is still being reused today, that same sample, you know, remastered and everything. Wow. And the theme, the theme song from the original film is still used to this day, or in variations on that theme song as well. So, in a lot of ways, it also this you talked about it earlier about the film franchise being one of the longest running film franchises. It actually has the Guinness Book record for most films in a film franchise. Really, dang! It is the record holder, at least according to the wiki article I read. That's so cool. 
Well, I, I will tell you one thing, though, and I, I told you this earlier. My One of my favorite songs from when I was a kid to even now was Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla. Oh, that yes. sound, Andrew's got to cut a couple seconds of that in. That is an amazing <laughs> freaking song. And also there's a band out here, a punk band out here called Fu Manchu, and they did a version too, and it's so rad, man. I, I love, love Fu Manchu. That song. They're, they're awesome. There's also a band called, like a metal band called Gojira, which is the uh, the original Japanese name of Godzilla. I've been saying Godzilla the whole time because uh, I'm an American. But yeah, Godzilla <laughs> is the Romanization, the Americanization of Gojira. And there's a band, I think they're from Italy or something. The influence of Godzilla, man, it's crazy across culture. Well, okay. Oh yeah, the one other thing I wanted to say real quick. So I used to play trivia a lot back when you, know, you could go to bars. And um, that was a big activity of mine was going to trivia. I had a trivia team played like a weekly when I was able to. Dang. We were in a um, trivia tournament. Like we had gotten invited to like the top 50 regional or whatever. So were you like so bummed when Alex Trebek just died or what? Oh, absolutely. Oh, it was, that was a real heartbreaker, man. He had cancer and I thought he had beat it. And then that happens a lot when you hear about people with cancer. They just uh, have it. And then you hear about it and they're like, oh, it's in remission. And you're like, great. And then three weeks later, like they died. And you're like, damn it. Oh, man. I know a lot of my wife loves to watch uh, Jeopardy and she was so bummed. Yeah. I don't watch Jeopardy, but trivia is too hard for me. So <laughs> I need to call you Brainiac. It's a lot of fun for me. Uh, but uh, this this story relates to we went to a trivia tournament. We were in the top 50 and we had a pivotal question points wise. Like we had to get it right. And the question was, which giant monster has a square on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? I immediately was like, it's got to be Godzilla. It's got to be Godzilla. And I eventually let them talk me into King Kong because King Kong is an American creation and Godzilla is a Japanese creation. And we bet the points and the answer was, of course, Godzilla, the king of the monsters. And we ended up not placing in the tournament because of that. Oh, no. That could have been such a great story, man. It could have been like, we won the tournament night called Godzilla. I knew Godzilla. <laughs> okay, so uh, guys, if you're going to watch Godzilla movies, definitely watch the first couple of Godzilla movies. Boyolante, I really like that one. I think that one's pretty good. Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, the first one from the early 60s is great. And obviously, as I said before, oh, yeah, you know, the, the new Hollywood movies aren't bad. They're not bad movies, I wouldn't say at all. But definitely, guys. Shin Godzilla. That's the one I recommend. Oh, that's on my list. And for me, watch Big Man Japan. Because you, it's not Godzilla, but man, is it? I want to watch it with my wife tonight if she is cool oh, with it. She's going to love it. it. Sounds like something she can She's going to be like, Tooth is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, dude. It's I think so she's good. already like that. So <laughs> <laughs> She's already like, he's a lunatic. Okay, dude. So that was fun, man. I know. So cool, man. I'm so glad we got to talk about your hero and my hero. And you know, again, what I'm coming away with this with is, is remembering being a little kid. And I think that's yeah. where Godzilla, the reason, there's something, you know, I, I was over at a friend's house for uh, Thanksgiving. We had just a small gathering. And it's amazing how little kids, little boys especially, freaking freak the F out on dinosaurs. This little kid oh, yeah. at three years old will sit there and watch a dinosaur movie again. And again, and again, and again, for months straight. And I think there's something primal for us. Absolutely. And that's why you have bands and all these movies. And, and even though the movies aren't great, we still watch them. 
right? You know, it's just like, I don't care. Tons of stuff like that from when I was growing up. Dino riders. Yeah. Where people put like armor and weapons on dinosaurs. Yeah, I think it taps into that, man. It's so rad. You know, you guys, it's okay to let your inner kid out sometimes. Even though Godzilla represents all these fears and everything, which are still there. Like we talk about that all the time. It's still okay to reflect on like your inner child. Be filled with wonder. Have fun. You know, let it out. Yeah. So rad. All right, man. Well, it was a good one, dude. All right, man. Until next time, bro. We'll catch up, man. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Later.